1: Greetings fans of the esoteric and welcome to Madame Magenta and the Arkati Killer, chapter That's Right, Elspeth!
0: We should probably just do a quick recap as to why it's called That's Right, Elspeth.
1: Well, do you think they've forgotten?
0: Well, in case the uh, a few days have passed since they last heard Well, I suppose venture. so.
1: At the end of the last chapter, um, goons came to stop us, didn't they? Yes,
0: we were, we were trying to vacate uh, my workplace, uh, the the large house where we had been staying in the flat for uh, visiting clients. And uh, as we were making our escape, two goons.
1: And they s- said, Elspeth wants a word with you. And, and Bernard and I went, who? Because we don't know, we who, don't, Elspeth we don't know
0: who Elspeth is. We don't know who Elspeth is. But you, the reader, do.
1: But you, the reader, do. Which yes. is why the chapter title is, that's right, Elspeth. All right. All right.
0: Did you get strange vibes from her?
1: Eldris asked Egg once they were back in the car, drinking straight from his thermos of squash. It kept dribbling out the sides and into his goatee, but he daren't pour it into the cup lid, as she'd be able to see it. What detective drank squash instead of coffee? Egg would think he was an even bigger pillock than he already was. Strange vibes? So, uh, this is me doing Egg.
0: You're Egg now aren't yes. you?
1: Yes. Strange vibes? Not really, replied Egg, opening her packed lunch. A sausagey odour filled the car. She seemed like she might be highly strung, I suppose. But, she added kindly, my instincts might not be as sharp as yours. If your gut says something's wrong, it probably merits further investigation."
0: My gut's always saying something's wrong.
1: Eldris grumbled, suddenly recalling how Magenta, or Dave, had known about his stomach problems. Dave had said he had a fructose intolerance, which was news to him. Maybe he should try cutting it out of his diet for a while, see what happens. We could check her phone records, see if there's any overlap with the numbers Sandra gave us for Bob, Egg said, index fingers busily tapping out notes on her iPad. She seemed to have suddenly committed to the idea that Magenta might be passing on valid information, despite her earlier incredulity. Maybe, he thought, she'd made the decision for his sake. Christ, it's cold in here. Eldra suddenly noticed, leaning forward to crank the heating up. Frost had even started to visibly creep up the edges of the windscreen. He sunk back into the driver's seat and shifted uneasily. Something didn't feel right. Sensors on high alert, Eldris looked out the window and into the rearview mirror to see if anything had changed. But the street was still and quiet. The only sound was the chugging of the car engine and the whoosh of the heated air coming out of the ducts. The latter didn't seem to be making much of an impact on the general temperature, though. Egg shivered beside him. It's getting colder, Egg said, shoving her hands under her armpits. "'I can feel it getting colder.' "'Her breath puffed into the air as she spoke. Eldris turned the heating up to full. "'Weird,' he muttered. "'The day looked clear and sunny. "'If anything, it had been a particularly balmy November, "'with no threat of snow.' "'Oh, my God,' whispered Egg beside him, staring straight ahead. The frost that had previously been at the very edges of the windscreen was creeping further into the center before their very eyes. Spindly, crystalline particles slowly obscuring the glass. They sat transfixed by the relentless progression of the frost. Within a couple of minutes, most of the outside world was completely obscured. And then, abruptly, it halted. There was now a very precise rectangle of clear glass, roughly 50 centimetres across, surrounded by a border of ice. It's like a TV screen, Egg whispered. What should we do?
0: Nothing. Do nothing.
1: Before he'd finished speaking, swirls of freezing air whipped across the rectangle's surface, leaving a densely opaque mist of condensation, effectively closing off the occupants of the car and then onto the glass, as if written by a ghostly finger, because that's exactly what was happening.
0: Magenta needs your help.
1: As soon as the final word appeared, the sentence began to fog over, as if breathed upon by ghostly breath, because that's actually what was happening, and new writing appeared.
0: She's at Bernard's
1: workplace. Again, the words frosted over and disappeared. There was a pause. Eldris cleared his throat.
0: <clears> throat> Where's that? He ventured.
1: Potter's bar, I think. One sec, let me go find out. They waited, both barely breathing. A minute passed. Egg reached for Eldris's hand, and he clasped it with all his strength. Ow! Egg breathed. Oops, sorry. Eldris whispered back, loosening his grip. Got it. Take the private road off Carbone Hill. The words disappeared again, and this time the mist began to melt away. The temperature in the car noticeably lifted. It felt emptier as well, as if someone had left, because that's actually what had, in fact, happened. Eldris started the car. Oh,
0: wow! It's getting exciting. Very isn't it? exciting. Yes. Well, Interesting that uh, you you said that the chapter is called. Yes, that's right, Elspeth. And then we moved to some completely <laughs> different characters. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yes. So I obviously changed my mind between naming the chapter and And writing writing the chapter chapter. and then didn't go back. it it is a continuation. It just doesn't relate to the chapter that we just heard. Well, you know, it's good to have a pullback reveal or not a pullback reveal.
0: Well, it's just an acknowledgement of what you've just written. As if uh, as if someone else is naming the chapter titles. Well,
1: I feel like a book is a bit like a conversation. And sometimes conversations are confusing and they go nowhere. Meandering. Yes. And, and yes. Well,
0: that's very so realistic. We well, the next chapter is just called Crikey.
1: Getting <laughs> better. So that better. Could,
0: we could relate to anything. So Crikey. Should we do that one as well?
1: Oh, do you want to? Yes, why not? Let's carry on. All right. Let me find it. i would just shut everything down. Crikey. So here we are, back in a bedroom on the top floor of Bernard's workplace. It's not the same room, this one is bigger to accommodate the increased occupancy. And also unlike last time, Bernard and I are bound to the bed with plastic ties, and not in a sexy way either. They've shoved Dave in the bathroom, poor lamb, although he sounds more confused than distressed. It's okay, Dave, it's just a game for humans. You have a little sleep, I shout, not wanting him to know the truth whatever the hell the truth is. It's futile, of course, he can smell the fear. The smaller goon comes up to me and hisses in my face. Who are you talking to? The other goon stands back, looking awkward and a bit thick. Some people just have unintelligent faces, don't they? Anyway, Big Thicko doesn't seem particularly comfortable with the situation, which is something I cling onto for dear life. Mainly because he, no, sorry. Because maybe he disapproves and maybe he might help us, But then my stomach flips. Maybe he's uncomfortable simply because he knows what they're going to do to us. That doesn't mean he's got the guts to stop them. I'm talking to my dog, I say to small but menacing, proud of how calm I managed to sound. I wait for a derisive response. But the goon doesn't react. He simply accepts the information and goes to sit in the hard chair by the table. He's an odd one. Greg, says Big Thicko in an uncertain voice.
0: There's two of them. We didn't plan for two of them. "'Won't that, Steve, be quiet?'
1: Hisses small but menacing, who is evidently Greg. Steve obediently shuts up. There's something about Greg that doesn't invite debate. When we were first hauled into the bedroom, Bernard tried to reason with them. Greg simply ignored him. Then Bernard tried to threaten them. That received the same response. Then he tried to fight them, and to my horror, Greg brought him to his knees within seconds. He wasn't hurt too badly, thank God, but he'll have some impressive bruises.' So now we're both simply trying to look unflappable, though internally my flaps are most definitely flapping, as it were. Hang on, where's my bloody guardian angel? Isn't he supposed to help me with this sort of thing? Gabriel, I call under my breath. Gabriel! Who are you speaking to now? Greg inquires, evil little eyes narrowing even further. Your cat? I do not own a cat, I say haughtily. Dave would not approve. We all fall silent after this. "'Bernard rubs his foot against mine on top of the bed covers, and I turn to smile at him. "'Don't worry,' he whispers, and then evidently can't think of anything to follow it up. "'I strain towards him, though I can't get far, as my hands are tied to the upper left bedpost, "'while Bernard is tied to the upper right. "'Bernard leans forward as well, as far as his bound arms will let him, "'and we manage to peck each other briefly on the lips. "'We collapse back into our respective corners. "'It was a lot of effort for a little kiss, but it momentarily boosts both our spirits.' I glance at the goons to see if they've taken offence at this display of affection, but Greg is looking blankly into the middle distance. Steve, however, is watching us with a distinctly tragic expression on his broad, flat face. It looks a lot like empathy and regret. I hear the ping of the lift in the distance and the dull thump of footsteps heading this way. My heart leaps into my throat. Greg gets up and goes to open the door. It's Roger. I glare at him as he enters, but he doesn't see it. Roger? Bernard hisses. What the hell is this? What are you doing? Roger doesn't answer, but he at least has the decency to flinch. He averts his eyes and walks straight past the bed and over to the window, resolutely staring out at the scenery. A woman of late middle age has also entered. This must be the shagging mother. I take a good look at her and find she's doing the same to me. God, you could never tell she was the type to fancy psychopaths. She's dressed like a cross between a fusty academic and a tarot reader. I find myself thinking she can't be that bad, purely on the basis of her purple moo tweed waistcoat arrangement. I've got something similar myself. Just around the corner, hidden by the ensuite, I hear the door shut and a third person enter the room. He stroke she must have been hanging back to make an entrance perhaps. Dave starts barking wildly, which is unusual for him. The unseen person enters. I gasp. My God. Bernard murmurs next to me. Cripes, say I.
0: Hello, Magenta. Growls Fazir. We meet again.
1: Ooh. Oh, yes, so uh, the reader's been aware of Fazir's uh, uh, involvement. In- involvement with the story, yes, but this is but the first time we've heard of it. yes. So we weren't expecting that at all. I wonder if Gabriel's going to pop up again then. Gabriel was uh, mainly in the first book.
0: Yes, he, he turned up and, and was rather helpful in the end, wasn't he?
1: I hope he doesn't turn up in this because that would be a very lazy plot device. It
0: would be, what do they call it, a deus ex machina? Yes. Which is where something just turns up and sorts everything out.
1: Yes. I don't think I did. I don't think
0: you would have done that.
1: I think I would have given myself a you know a, a hard look. If I'd done that. Well, we'll find out,
0: won't we? <laughs> yes, we will. We'll find out how you've evolved so as well. There's a, a writer, sort of
1: suspense there. in both ways, isn't there? There's the suspense of what's going to happen to the characters and the suspense of whether I, Magenta,
0: I have written a good shined book. Shined
1: <laughs> up the writing, yes.
0: <laughs> Very interesting, yes. yes. What a meta-novel you've oh, written here.
1: Oh, God, isn't it, isn't it? Right. All right, dear readers or listeners. They're not readers, are they? No, we're
0: the readers, Do if anything. Do you
1: think listening to an audiobook is the same as reading? Well, I feel strongly that it is.
0: Because I absorb a lot more when I have a book read to me as an audiobook than, than if I read it on paper. I'm yeah, obviously I mean, an aural learner.
1: It's all stories, isn't it? Exactly. But then Netflix, in that case, is reading as well.
0: Oh, goodness me.
1: Going to the cinema. Anything with a story. Listening to your neighbour gossiping. You're reading a book? yes. Oh, we're avid readers, aren't we, Bert? In that case, we
0: are. Yes. Never stop
1: reading, gosh. What intellectuals. All right. Goodbye, dear reader-listener.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
2: In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen, wait a second! It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. He's one of them. <sighs> I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy,
0: creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com.